Well, as many of you know, uh, as I said earlier, we're in this series of Acts where we're working our way through the book of Acts together this summer, and uh, we're looking at the mission of the church. We're looking at its, the expansion of the kingdom of God as, as the message of Jesus was spread out. And we're actually also going to be looking at the persecution of the church and how the people in this small band of believers stayed faithful to the message of the gospel when they faced persecution. We saw uh, as we began this series that the mission of the church is really simple, that we are to testify or to witness that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and He is Lord. That Jesus is Lord, that he has risen from the grave, that he has ascended to God the Father, is seated right now at the right hand of the Father, and where he's interceding on our behalf, and he is Lord, that he is the King. And we saw last week that this new community of believers had kind of devoted themselves to these four new kind of things that had kind of centered and gave some shape of who they were, that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And those four devotions formed them or shaped them to be a certain kind of community, a community that operated differently than the world around them and showed forth a new way of living, a way of kingdom living, a way of life giving rather than self-centered or self-absorption. And this morning, as Bonnie just read for us, we're in Acts chapter 3 and we're trying to understand this community of believers and their continued ministry of Jesus as they continue to work on his behalf and to proclaim him as Lord. And as we see in Acts chapter 3, the very first of all many physical healings that will come in the book of Acts. In fact, all throughout the book of Acts, you'll find physical healings after healing after healing. It seems like it's going on all the time. And if you've ever wondered what God thinks about or how God feels about suffering in our world, If you've ever wondered about what God is doing about suffering in our world and what is going on behind the scenes as it relates to pain and grief and those that are finding themselves suffering, if you've ever wondered what God is up to with all the suffering in the world, then I hope that this passage would give us insight to God's heart. Hope that this passage would give us insight to God's desire and God's uh, ways even in a world We're suffering and pain and death and all sorts of things are all around us. And as we look at this passage, my hope is not that we just only understand what God is feeling or how God understands suffering, but what is he doing and then what are we called to do as Christ people in a world full of suffering, full of suffering. So before we unpack this passage, let's pray together and then we'll move into it. Jesus, we are grateful for you this morning, that you would meet us here. And as we unpack your scriptures, would they come alive to us? And may your spirit move in ways that only he can to speak to us and to lead us to kingdom life. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're after this man is healed at this, uh, this temple courts here. After he's healed and he stands up and he begins to jump around and leap around for joy people are amazed and are kind of bewildered about what just happened here peter steps forward and he begins to explain what had just happened and what the purpose of this healing was and i want to kind of walk us through his explanation peter's explanation and just after what bonnie read as it finishes after the that passage it goes into the rest of chapter three 
And he explains the purpose of those healings and what is going on behind the scenes. And we might understand how is it that we can see God's desire, God's heart. And the first thing that, that the healings do is it points or it gives our direction or it guides our direction upwards towards God. It guides our eyes off of the here and now and leads our eyes or lifts our eyes to God the Father and what he's doing. Verses 13 through 15, Peter steps up and he says this, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, and you handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. Right at the very beginning, as Peter begins to explain this healing, he's reminding the people of, to draw their eyes not just on what this human is doing, what, not just what Peter and John are doing, but to be reminded that this is God at work, that it is the divine that is at work. It's not just human strength that is causing someone to be able to walk when they could not walk before, but this is divine, that it is Jesus, the one, by the way, these religious people had handed over to Pilate to crucify. It was the same Jesus that God has raised from the dead and has given authority to do these things. That the healings that interact with in Acts are to draw our attention to the wonder of God. To draw our attention to the beauty and the majesty of God. That Jesus was not just some mortal guy that walked around some 2,000 years ago, but he is the risen, living, eternal son of the eternal God. That he stands and he sits on the right, the right hand of the Father and he intercedes that it is his power that has healed this man. That is not him. It's not Peter. It's not John. It's not this guy on his own. But Jesus has healed him. Healings like this we, that we see in this passage and healings that we experience in our own life are to draw our eyes off the here and now and to draw our attention to the eternal nature of God, that who God is. Many people that I know and many people in this room can think of a situation that you know of someone who has been healed physically. That no other explanation can be given except that the divine intervention brought forth healing. And when you witness a healing like this, when you understand, when you see someone who was in such pain or in such turmoil and nothing can explain it other than the divine intervene and there's healing that happens, does it not stir your soul for something more eternal? When you see the divine step into the temporal and you see healings happen, does it not stir your soul for something more and more of God? Does it not stir your soul for the majesty and the power and the wonder of God? Does it not remind you that God is God? When we see the miraculous, when we see healings, it draws our eyes off of the here and now, off of what we can see, and it points our attention upwards towards God is. See, one of the purposes that God intervenes and one of the purposes that Peter gives that this man is healed is to draw our attention and our, and our eyes not just on the here and now, but to God and to worship him more fully and to be in more awe of his power and his glory, to draw our attention to God. But the healings that we see in Acts as well as in our own life not only point us to what, who God is, but they also point our attention forward to God's final restoration and his final healing of this whole world. 
Peter says this in Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, when he says this. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That the times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. That God would restore everything as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. See, the healing of this man at this temple courts was a sign, a point people's attention to the forward restoration of what God will ultimately do in this world. Where he ultimately, as he has promised, will bring healing and wholeness to all that are suffering and that are going through pain and turmoil. It doesn't mean that everybody will be healed right here and now. For Peter and John, as they're going into the temple, there were all sorts of people that were laying and begging that day. That's what they did. They would go to the temple and they would beg and they were blind and they were lame and they were paralyzed people. There were lepers. There was people all over. And that's, in that time, that's just what they did. So it's not that everyone got healed immediately. Peter and John healed this one guy. But this one healing is to remind them and to draw their attention to the coming restoration of what God will do when all things are made new. You see, if we're under, ever curious about how God feels about the suffering that is going on in our world and the pain and the evil and the death and the suffering that we see all around us, God is not happy with the way this world is. God is not satisfied with the sufferings of people. God is not sitting back going, well, I guess there's nothing to do. The pain and the suffering that we experience in our own life and in the lives around us is the result of sin and rebellion in our world. And God is not happy with it. And so he steps in from time to time and miraculously heals, heals us, pointing our attention back to the way in which this world was originally created and what it will be like one day when he restores all things and all matter of things will be well. And he will restore it all. And when restoration is complete, healings like we see in Acts and like we see in our own life point our attention to what God ultimately will do in this world when he restores everything. Pain and grief and difficulty and turmoil and suffering is very real. And it can be extremely overwhelming. But the glorious news of the gospel is that it is temporary. For those who are alive to God and his kingdom, it is temporary. This is what the Apostle Paul is getting at when he says in Romans 8, verses eight verse 18, which is a fantastic verse, to sear into your memory and keep it by memory as best you can. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Friends, suffering and turmoil and evil, temporary. Temporary. And the healings that we experience in the world as we see in Acts chapter 3 and as we'll see throughout the rest of Acts, these healings are to, to draw our attention, to remind us of the future, what God one day will do. Point us to the truth that God desires to bring healing, that God desires to bring wholeness, that God desires and will one day make all things new and restore that which was broken to its original intent. So the healings that we see in both an accident and in our own life draw our attention to God to majesty and to the glory and to the wonder of who he is, and they draw our attention to the future restoration. But thirdly, they also point inward to our own brokenness and remind us of, of our own need for healing, of our own need for healing. 
see physical healing that we might be, or physical suffering that we might be able to see in other people. Point us to the reality of there's internal suffering that each one of us carry with us. We may not have the physical suffering that other people have, but we have a heart condition that needs healing. We have an internal, emotional, spiritual issue that needs to be healed and can only be healed by Jesus, the Messiah. And so the suffering that we see in our world reminds us of the brokenness and our own need for a Savior of our own stuff. There's so much more going on than just the physical healings that are happening, both in Acts and in our world today. Peter is telling the people around that more than just a physical healing or money or anything else, this man needed a spiritual healing. He needed restoration in his relationship with God. And you and I, whether we have physical sufferings or not, need a spiritual healing that can only come from God. See, this man who was begging, as many of the people would do, he thought that if I had some money, that would make my suffering a little more bearable. If I would just sit on the, in the temple courts and ask for money, ask for someone to give me something, that, that at least will make my suffering a little bit more bearable. Or maybe by some miracle, I might be able to get someone to give me a crutch or some able to walk around a little bit. Or if God would, would heal my legs, that would make all my problems go away. But Peter and John know better. They know that he needs much more than just a physical healing. He, they need, and they point, he needs and they point him to a more deep spiritual healing that only Jesus can bring the restoration of their relationship with God through faith in Christ. That's what is needed. You see, I know people that have tons of money. I know people that have gobs of it, and yet they're still broken inside. All the amounts and the piles of money and the piles of stuff and all the physical abilities that you can ever imagine, all the things that they can do, they, their physical strength is unbelievable, but they are still broken inside. They still live uneasy lives without peace, without a sense of comfort, without a sense of knowledge of Jesus. And Peter knew, and John knew, and I want to say that we need much more than a physical healing of money or a physical healing of our bodies. We need a spiritual healing that only Jesus can do. We need something to, to restore our relationship because it doesn't take all the money and doesn't take all the physical abilities. It's, we are still needing a spiritual healing of our hearts that only Jesus can do. That only Jesus can do. And the healing that we see here in Acts chapter 3 and again throughout Acts and even in our life points us to the greater truth that when we experience brokenness, we experience a, a relationship that has been torn apart, that we are broken people. And while we may not have physical hurtings or sufferings like this man did, there is something so much more than we, that we need. We need a relationship and a restored relationship with God. And an eternal restoration that is so far more valuable than the physical healing that this man got. But there's a fourth aspect of these healings. Because they remind us of the majesty and the power of God. They tell us of what God will do one day. They remind us of our inward need for God. But they also remind us and call us and they point our attention downward. Towards the direction that our mission should go in service. They draw our attention to those downward that are in need or in suffering. We started this series, like I said, st stating that the mission of the church was to witness to the lordship of Jesus. 
And the miracles and the healings that we see in Acts and all the way through the book of Acts will tell us how God feels about suffering. It teaches us that God desires to bring wholeness and desires to bring healing to people who are suffering. That is what God desires. That is how God sees. But now what about us? What about his people, the Christ people? What are we to do in light of all the suffering around us? And the healings that we see in these kind of passages remind us and draw our attention downward to those people that are suffering all around us, those who are in pain and are grief all around us. And put simply, pain and suffering and grief, they are not part of God's good creation. They are invaders into this world. They are brokenness. And God is not pleased with the suffering of people around. And wherever there is suffering, he has gone to great lengths to bring healing. Wherever there is suffering, God has gone to great lengths to bring healing. And the healings that we see draw our attention and to remind us that the church's role, his people's role, is to bring alleviation to suffering wherever there is. I'll say it this way. Friends, you and I, as Christ people, as apprentices to Jesus, ought to be agents of healing all around us, proclaiming and demonstrating the goodness of healing that comes through Jesus. That we ought to be people that work on behalf of those who are suffering to alleviate the suffering, to give them hope. We are to be agents of this. And the healing in our world that comes in our world will only come through the sacrificial nature of Christ and Christ people selflessly, sacrificially serving those who are suffering. And as a body of Christ's people, when we willingly empty ourselves to serve those who are suffering, we bring healing to them. We bring healing and, and wholeness to marriages that are fallen apart, that are broken. Where relationships and family relationships just seem to be torn apart at the seams, and we bring healing there. When we see someone suffering because of a financial crisis or something else, we don't just turn a blind eye, but as Christ people, we go to alleviate the suffering of those people around us. When we see perpetual systemic poverty, then we go and we do what we can to alleviate the suffering of people all around us. When families that are broken, we don't just kind of close our, our eyes and plug our ears, but we move toward to bring reconciliation and to bring healing, to alleviate suffering. Friends, some of the biggest, world's largest organizations that bring, that bring healing are started or were started by Christ people taking serious their call to bring uh, alleviation or, or, or healing to suffering places. Because when Christ people understand God's desire to bring healing to people who are suffering and our role to be his hands and his feet and his practical application of his desire, then we begin to take seriously this call to proclaim and to demonstrate the love of God in very practical ways and we will seek to bring healing to people who are suffering. We will seek to bring goodness to those people who find themselves hurting. All sorts of healing organizations started by Christ people who live out this calling. Hospitals, the Red Cross, the orphanages, recovery programs, soup kitchens, adoption agencies, homeless shelters, the list could go on and on. And obviously not all those organizations are still run or driven by Christian faith, but it was a desire of Christian people to alleviate the suffering of those around them that started these worldwide organizations. 
And our apprenticeship to Jesus will lead us to sometime or at some point view this world the way he views the world. With all the pain and all the suffering and all the evil that exists, we will begin to see it through eyes that are like Jesus and we will seek to bring healing and bring uh, wholeness to people that are suffering. Because the ministry of Jesus is a ministry of healing. And the ministry of Jesus' people is a ministry of healing. And it will always point us to the message of God's great love for this world. God's great love for people. It makes zero sense to me for Christ's people to proclaim a Savior who gave up his life for us. That we might experience forgiveness and newness and eternal life. It makes no sense to me that we would proclaim a Savior like that and not be willing to demonstrate the same desire to give our lives away in the community of those who are suffering. It makes no sense to me. We point people to the healing that is found in Christ because that is what he has done for us. Our ministry is both proclaiming and demonstrating the goodness of life with God and the healing and the, and the wholeness and the restorative nature of Jesus. And the message will become believable when we proclaim it with our mouth and we will need demonstrate it in tangible ways through loving and serving, and bringing healing, and listening, and walking alongside someone. So let me ask you a question. Where is God stirring you to be an agent of healing where there's suffering around you? Where is God stirring in you to be an agent of God's people to bring a ministry of healing where there's suffering around? It may be in a ministry here at church. Maybe through a ministry like Celebrate Recovery, we're seeking to help people through their hang-ups and habits. It may be through our ministry of our learning tree, daycare, with the children and families that come through these doors every day of the week that are hurting, that are broken, and that are suffering. And it may be a, a way which you can come alongside and minister with them, with us as we care for these families. It may be ministering to people that are elderly and shut in and they can't get out and visit anybody else. It may be to seek to bring healness or healing where they're suffering to enter into the process of adoption to bring wholeness to those that are broken. It may be in reconciling broken relationships that you find yourself in or in mentoring young families, young married couples along the way. The list could go on and on, but where is God stirring you? to be an agent of healing in a land of suffering. Because as an apprentice to Jesus, then we are to take his view of this world and seek to be an agent of healing where there's brokenness and suffering. Far too long, far too long the church has proclaimed a message with their mouth and have not demonstrated with our lives. So let us be God's people in this world and bring healing pointing people to the goodness and the power and the restorative nature that one day God would bring restoration of all things and healing of all things. May we be moved with compassion and by the example of our Lord and Savior to demonstrate a healing nature of God, to not turn a blind eye, but to reach to those who are suffering, reach to those who need something, and to care in the name of Jesus. Let me finish and wrap up with two quick questions that often are asked, what do you think about this aspect of healings and miraculous healings like we've looked at in Acts chapter 3? 
first question is, do, does God still heal people today? Yes, he does. Next question. Just kidding. Yes, he does. There's absolutely nothing in Scripture, neither in my experience, that would ever point me to say that God stopped, stopped healing some time ago, that miracles stopped happening. They, they are happening. There are stories in this room of people being healed, of marriages being healed, of reconciliation happening, physical healing taking place. There's, there's stories that we could spend hours upon hours telling about how God continues to heal. And we ought to pray for it. We ought to believe it. We ought to believe that God can and does, and does stand in the, in the gap and heal people instantaneously still today. Absolutely. So second question. Does God always heal? No. And yes. And yes. Because remember, physical healings point us to a future restoration where one day God will do as he has promised through the holy prophets long ago that he will reconcile everything under the lordship of Jesus that one day all will be well and all will be well and all manner of things will be well. And sometimes for reasons we don't fully understand, God chooses not to alleviate all of our suffering this side of heaven. For, for, for reasons we cannot fully understand, God allows that to happen. This is what the Apostle Paul described as a thorn in his flesh, if you remember that. He prayed diligently for the Lord to remove that thorn from his flesh. And God's response to, for, to Paul was this. My grace is sufficient for you. I may not take that thorn from you. I may not take all that pain and that suffering away right now and right here. But my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Sometimes the immediate healing that we pray for and we desire doesn't come. It's broken. But friends, we long for the day when the kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven and where he will do what he promised long ago through the holy prophets and full restoration will come. And so while he may not heal directly in this time of, the, of eternity, we do know that he will heal and we will bring restoration. I heard a pastor one time speak about this, and he said it this way. He said, sometimes God glorifies himself by sick people getting well. And sometimes God glorifies himself by sick people suffering well. And sometimes God glorifies himself by sick people dying well. Because our confidence and our joy is not contingent on our life being free from suffering. It is found in faithful obedience through, through the suffering when we are confident that he who began the good work in us will bring it to completion through his son Jesus. That he who began the good work will see it to its end. That our, our confidence is not because our life is free from suffering, but we long for the day when all will be well and restoration will come. And God's mission in our world is to bring healing and to bring restoration to that which is suffering and that which is broken and is done through the work of his son Jesus that it is only because of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus and that he ascended to the right hand of the Father that healing can come and it is only because of him and only, and only through his power and it draws our attention to the majesty of God and it draws our attention to the future restoration and it reminds us of our own need for healing in our own hearts, in our own ears and it leads us and it calls us to be people and agents of healing for the people that are suffering all around us every day. 
So may you be someone filled with compassion. May you experience the goodness of God's healing in your life. And may you have a witness to the glory of God around you. And may this all be for the glory and the power of Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we are grateful for you for the healings that we see and for the miracles that we witness in Scripture and in our own life. I pray that when we see them and when we experience them, may we be drawn to worship you more. And may our testimonies go out for this world that they may see and glorify and praise your name. It's in your name we pray. Amen.